What's up, guys? I am Stavo, and you're listening to Don't Dream, Envision, a podcast for those who are trying to figure it out. And by it, I mean life. In this episode, I got Michael Finley, the crazy man in the pink wig. Uh, we talk a lot about finances. He, he is a, a finance expert and teaches people finances, and I thought it'd be great to have somebody on um, that could teach, especially this younger generation, my, myself included, um, some basics on on finances, on investing. I know there's many questions that I have, many questions that people my age have. Uh, so I thought this would be a valuable individual to have on here as he shares his expertise. We also talk a great deal about being yourself. Um, and, and, and Michael, he's he's out there. He is known as the crazy man in the pink wig for a reason. He shares a story on that. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this one. Hope you enjoy. Okay, Michael. Well, thanks for joining me this morning. Uh, I know you said you prefer Mike. I'll just go with uh, Mike then. Um, so I just want to say you and I connected very, very recently through um, a friend that messaged me on LinkedIn and told me a little bit about what you do and that you might be a good guest. So I looked up what you do. Um, and obviously, the, the, the first thing that caught my attention was the the pink wig. I think that's um, pretty slick marketing right there. But I think it's also a unique story. I read a little bit on the website what, what you did how you got to where you are right now. Um, But without me giving everything away about you and what you do, go ahead and share your vision with us, your story, um, and we're going to get into it from there. So like many people in America, I I grew up in a relatively poor environment with uh, a basic education and a good environment as far as the people around me, but not much money. And so entering the world, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I ended up joining the military. I started to live my life just kind of winging it without a plan. And that's how many people do it. That's how the people around me did it. And gradually over time, I started to invest my money. I started to do things with my money because people told me I should. And then once upon a time, somebody asked me to help them invest their money. And as they asked me questions, I realized I did not know what I was doing. I was lost. I was confused. And so I decided to read my first financial book. And what I came to realize was I was doing everything wrong. I had taken advice from people who were going to serve their needs over my needs. And so through the process, I continued to educate myself from independent sources, and I changed my life financially. And on a bigger scale, I changed the projection of my future. And it was done through this understanding that I was the answer to my life. This was on me. This was my responsibility. Uh, I could not sit back and wait for other people to fix my life. And so through that process, I took full responsibility. The mistakes I had made in the past were mine. They weren't someone else's. It was bred out of ignorance, but they were my mistakes. And so if I was going to fix my life going forward, I had to make better decisions and make them informed. And that's what I did. And as a young man, age 25, I set forth on... One of my long-term goals was becoming a millionaire by the time I was 45. 
And to most people, they would have thought I was nuts because I did my first net worth statement at 25, which we all should do a net worth statement every year. And I identified that I was broke. I was worth less than nothing at age 25. And then I had this dream that somehow I was going to accumulate a million dollars in net worth by the time I was 45. And so you could say I was dreaming way beyond my talents. But what that first book taught me was I could do this. Somebody actually believed in me. And little by little, I started to believe in myself. And it was a, a profound change in the way I lived my life. And so fast forward, I hit 45, a millionaire. I achieved that not because I was the smartest guy in the block, not because I made a ton of money, not because I had the right kind of uh, influence, you know, coming from the right home and the right people. No, it, it came from an education that I was willing to act on. And that changed the course of my life. And so from that point on, over the last 12 years, I have made it my, my goal, my, my passion to give back, to help others start down their own path that's going to lead them to a better place as it did for me. Mm -hmm. That's great. I was going to say, um, when it comes to the thing you said just a minute ago about, you know, understanding that this is kind of all on you um, to a pretty high degree. Was there some specific thing that happened to you that made you realize that? Or was it just over time you hit 25 and it just kind of clicked? Or was there a certain scenario that happened that made you realize, damn, this, this is going to be on me? Yeah. It was that first book. It was almost, it was almost the light bulb going on mm -hmm. because that book is called Wealth Without Risk by Charles Gibbons. He told me I could be my own financial advisor. And that was just craziness to me. I was a kid with a high school education, and this guy is telling me I could take control of my finances myself. And I was shocked at that idea. But I had enough thought that maybe he was right. And then as I followed through on these steps, I knew he was right. And through that process is when I really believed it. So I had that initial thought that maybe it was possible, but through the action piece of it I knew it was possible mm -hmm. before I get to this next question I want to ask one one quick one a minute ago you said I think it's important that everybody everybody does a net worth statement every single year now I'll be honest I have no idea what that is and I'm sure that many people that are listening to this also that are roughly my age also don't know what that is as I'm sure you probably didn't know when you were 25 so break that down what that is um, and then why why is it so important especially even for people my age yep so First of all, most people, including myself prior to age 25, we graded ourselves financially on two bits of information, how much money we made and the stuff that we had accumulated in our life. That's kind of how a lot of people tend to gauge how they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, those are two very bad ways to gauge. Well, what we should be gauging is our net worth, which is our assets, money that we hold in the bank, money that's in a 401k the value of a car, value of a home, 
So you take the assets, you add them up, and then you subtract your liabilities, which is your debts. So you add up the assets value, you subtract liabilities in total, and you get your net worth statement. And that shows you whether you're on the right path or the wrong path. Mm-hmm. And the reason we should do that every year, it's giving you that confirmation that you're on the right path, or it's telling you you need to change because you're going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. That net worth statement should be going up every year as you increase your appreciating assets, assets like stocks and bonds and real estate, as you decrease your liabilities, your debt. Gotcha. And so I, I'm relatively familiar with like stocks and, bond, and bonds as far as like the very basics of them, but I always try to think as best as I can, especially like at this age, very practically speaking, like what does it look like every single day or every single month? So when it comes, for example, like to investing, let's just give a, a scenario here. If it's going to be a kid that's 25, has no idea what they're doing when it comes to investing and they're giving the advice that it, it's a smart thing to invest. Well, let's say they're making 2000 bucks a month or three or less, whatever number you want to choose. You know, wh- where do you kind of start? I, I started recently talking with like a financial advisor. and he, I mean, I'm learning kind of as I go. Um, but I think f- at least for me, maybe, maybe it clicks easier for other people than others. But I know that people that listen will probably have similar questions. Where do you kind of start with this? Yep. So that's one reason I've written four books. Mm-hmm. I've written books for the average person to get started and then sustain it over periods of time. So my first book, Financial Happiness, is a book helping the individual understand the mindset and the steps necessary to get them to a better place. So I would always generally start with education. Understand what you're doing with your money. Mm-hmm. But you can, you can add to that by saying you should be looking at your current retirement plan that's offered by your employer. So if you have a 401k or a 403b or a TSP, and they all deal with wherever you're working, what investments do they offer within there? And almost always they offer stock funds, they offer bond funds, and they offer a a target date fund maybe that has stocks and bonds in it. And then, of course, you're looking at the expense ratio, the fees. How much are you paying in fees on your investment? Because that has a direct relationship to your future returns. And the mistake that far too many people make, myself included as a young man, we go buy investments without knowing how much they're going to cost us. Hmm. An example would be if you're looking to purchase something at a store, maybe a jacket, you don't go in there and just start buying it. You look at the price and you look and you compare it to other jackets and you're trying to decide what is the best value for the purchase you're making. Well, you want to do that the same way with your investments. You look at the price, the fees, and clearly we know, we know this from decades of research, there is a causation between what you pay and what you get. So the less you pay in fees, the more you get in return over time. And I just That seems like so... So so basic by its very nature, doesn't it? It does, except uh, there's been studies done where they ask people how much are they paying in fees in their retirement plan, and upwards of 40% of people thought they were paying nothing, which is delusional. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but it, it's, it's impossible 
when you're investing, you're paying something. The question is how much? So I would tell you probably at least 75% of the people in the United States do not know what they're paying with their investments. Mm -hmm. They have no idea. And you could just do a random anecdotal study within your own group and ask them. So for example, I know my portfolio cost is 0.07. I know that, seven basis points. But I could ask 100 people, I might get four or five who would know that. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering... Um, and by the way, yeah. by the way, on this topic, it can be overwhelming. I get that, right? People hear me use words like expense ratio and, and basis points and, and fees and investments and stocks and bonds. And it's easy for let, to let that kind of just hit you and think, where do I start? Yeah. What I would say to that person is start now by educating yourself from independent sources. That's how I got started. At age 25, I knew nothing, but I built on that. It's called the process of accretion. Mm -hmm. You keep adding to what you know, and you add more to what you know, and you add more to what you know. And hopefully over time, you put in the 10,000-hour rule. So the 10,000-hour rule is a, it's a basic idea. If you want to become an expert in a field, you've got to put in an extensive amount of time to actually understand that field in detail. Mm -hmm. And I can promise you I've done that. And so what I do is try to help the average person understand the issues in a way that makes sense and they can act on that education. Gotcha. And when you say like the an independent source, are you like referring to like a, a book or online or something like that? Something that you're not working with an individual with? Yeah, it's tough. So generally books can be one of the best sources. Most people, and this is where you got to be careful, most people in the financial industry, you should not be learning from because they're commission-based salespeople is what they are. They're not mm -hmm. financial experts. So, for example, your local life insurance agent, you should not go ask about life insurance to that person. They have a conflict of interest with selling you products that make them a lot more money than you. Your local financial advisor, you should not go down to your local financial advisor and start asking him about investments. Because, again, the products they recommend are going to serve them over you in most cases. So you must find independent sources who will guide you down the right path without selling you something while they do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that that's kind of exactly then what you're doing, right? Correct. You'd be considered the... I am trying to show people that path mm -hmm. from somebody who is actually trying to do what's best for them. Right. Instead of what's best for me. Right. When did you know, like for yourself individually, that... that because obviously you learn when you read that book that you could be your own kind of financial advisor and you could teach people. When did you, like, you know for yourself that you had the confidence there that, yes, this is something that I can share with people? Because a minute ago, obviously, you mentioned the 10,000 hours rule. Obviously, to become an expert at anything, it takes time, right? Um, when did you know that, that this is something that I can teach? This is something that I'm good at. This is going to be it for me. When did you find that out for yourself? Yeah, that's, one, that's a tough question. So mm -hmm. it, it, it is a process. So what I started teaching this actually about a year after I started, a year. And wow. as you can imagine, I was nowhere near the expert. But what I did know 
was I knew a lot more than the average person. So I could, <clears throat> I could help them even though there was plenty I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Because what I also knew, because I've studied successful people uh, in great degree, is the way you get better is to get in the game, to get in there, get dirty, and do it. That's how I was going to get better, not by reading and reading and reading and waiting 20 years before I start helping people. Yeah. And so through the process of helping people and educating myself throughout the process, I would say roughly it took me probably close to 20 years to get that 10,000 in. Wow. So if people run those numbers. It's a lot of time and energy to put 10,000 hours into a subject. And the only way you're really going to do that is if you're passionate on that subject. You love it. You just en you're engrossed in it to the point where you're going to keep going and doing it even when there are so many difficulties and obstacles in your way. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so happy you said that. I mean, there's two really important things I want to hit on. Uh, the, the first one's going to be that book thing that you mentioned when it comes to, to reading books or whether it's, it's watching videos online, but I think books specifically, it's, if you catch yourself, I think at least for myself, if you read too many of them, um, that's just giving you more reasons not to actually start and then get into it. Like, like get your hands dirty, right? Actually start doing that thing that you actually want to do. So I think you have to be very careful there. Like one thing for me, uh, self-help books, for example, there's there's so many of them out there, and not not to say that any of them are, are, are wrong or anything like that. I think that if you commit to just one of them and actually practice the stuff that the individual is preaching in there, you're going to see results. I feel like there's there should be no reason to have to read 20 of those books. Um, when it comes to the financial ones, I'm sure there's different practices, and I'm sure you probably think there are some that are better than others. But I think as a general rule, if you pick your one or two books and 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 follow as best you can. Then you will start seeing some results, whether they're awesome or not. You're learning as you, you as you're going. Uh, would you agree with that? I would agree, because I like to say that life is one big edit job. You're yeah. editing as you live your life. You're yeah. editing who you are and your level of knowledge and your your ability to help others. And so you've got to get in the game. You've got to get in there, get bloody, get dirty, and you will learn through the process. Mm -hmm. How did you actually like like start? Like one day, you, did you sit down and write down, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a website. I'm going to start emailing people. Like, how did it actually like start for you? Yeah. So first, if you really want to know where it starts, I would tell you that I used to think it started with you believing in yourself. Like that was the beginning. You had to believe in yourself before you could accomplish anything because what the brain creates can be created in real life. Mm -hmm. You can actually think yourself to success because your brain doesn't know the difference between what you're thinking and what you're doing. So that's a key component. But what I learned over time, to my surprise, was that is not actually the first step. The first step is not you believing in yourself. The first step is someone believing in you. That's where it starts. That's where it gives you this moment of thinking, well, maybe I can do this. And as I reflected back, my start was that book and that author telling me I could do this. Even though I wasn't really sure of that, he believed me enough for me to start and then just build on that. 
you know, and build and build through knowledge and helping people and working with people. And you kind of let things play out. So I would basically sit down with people, individuals that I knew, and walk them through step by step. What are your finances and how can we do it better? And as I did that over the last 32 years, which is what I've been doing this for the most part, I have honed that skill because a big piece of this is not just finances, but it's psychology, helping people work through their mind and some of the obstacles that have caused them pain and suffering and a poor financial situation leading to a not very happy life. Mm -hmm. So the message isn't to become rich. The message is how can you use money in a way to make for a better life? Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to do is help people find a place called financial freedom where you have the freedom to do and live out your opportunities to become the real true version of yourself, mm -hmm. which is part of the whole message of the pink wig, right? Mm -hmm. So I became the crazy man in the pink wig to show people it's okay to be different. It's okay to be strange. If somebody wants to call you crazy, well, good. Maybe you are. Maybe you're crazy enough to change the way you live your life because you're choosing to live your true life instead of someone else's version of what your life should be. And I reject that. I reject anybody telling me what my life should be. I have to figure that out. And through that process, I may make mistakes. Matter of fact, I will make mistakes. I will fail. But I'll learn from those mistakes, and I will live my life. And that's what money can do for us. It gives us the opportunities to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that's absolutely amazing. I think, um, again, when it comes to like doing something different or what might be perceived as like crazy, whenever I hear stuff like that, I, I always just say you have to be odd to be number one. Now, I don't know if I saw that somewhere, but if I did or maybe it just came to me, I like to use it all the time because like you said, it's very, very true. I think when it comes to like that, that belief in yourself, right, it can start with somebody else. But I think the way that it's going to actually build in yourself is, again, by doing those things and then getting results. I think where a lot of people shy away or get scared to keep going because things don't go well and they don't go well early. And they think that that's a sign that it's never going to go well. So how, like for yourself, especially in those difficult moments, like for example, for myself, that's kind of what, what vision is in the first place. It's having that bigger picture, that, that thing you're so deeply passionate about, that you care about so much. How do you keep going in those most difficult moments? How, how can you see past that for you, for you yep. specifically? And then what advice would you give? Yep. So as a young person, what helped me was I had read extensively on successful people. I had read biographies. And, you know, there's a rule. Successful people leave a path, a path that we can learn from as we walk our own path. And what I learned through that process was successful people fail a lot. It's not one great success. They have to overcome so many obstacles. That helped me. So when I was failing, that wasn't such a big deal because I knew that was what leads to better success in the future. So that helped a lot by understanding how successful people got where they were and knowing that I could do the similar thing in my own field. Mm -hmm. And then two, these people, they overcame fear. 
you know, fear of failure, fear of looking stupid, fear of not fitting in, fear of all that crap that we build up in our heads. What these people did was they didn't care. They were so focused on what they wanted to do. They did not give a lot of thought to what society thought of them because they were busy doing. Mm -hmm. And that was another important piece that I picked up as a younger person was I needed to keep doing what I thought was right for me. And yes, I'm going to fail. Yes, I'm going to stumble. But I'm going to keep doing it because it feels right to me. And then maybe the third piece to that was, you know, these people, they, they were different. They were so different that they stuck out and they didn't care. And I think I got something from that, that it's okay to stick out because you're simply being your true self. You know, when you're being part of the crowd, part of the herd, that's not you. Right. And that was an important thing for me as a young person to learn. Now that I'm older, all that stuff is easy. But it's easy because I started living it as a younger person. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I, I think when, like you mentioned, when you look at other people that are successful and, and, and how they got there, it's not that nice and easy. There's a lot of failures that come with it. I think it's nice knowing that, and, and it gives me comfort, just like you said a second ago, is knowing that they're humans too. These are also humans that weren't always successful, and then now they are. It's rare that that just kind of happens overnight. Maybe, maybe there's the rare occasion that someone gets lucky, but that's not, I think, as common as we, we want to believe. I think sometimes it's easier to say to ourselves, well, they have money now, and they're doing so well. It, it must have been easy. They got it all. And that's just BS. You know what I mean? Um, I think I agree. It, it's difficult, I think, especially for, for younger people, and I especially find this when I speak to like people my age, my friends, um, to, to really believe that what they're doing is the right thing because when you when you look around especially like on social media you see people doing this this way and that way that must be correct that must i must be doing it wrong and there is no wrong or right way again to to a degree when it comes to something you're passionate about and you want to do um i think you are what makes it unique you get to bring whatever you want whatever flavor you want to whatever it is that you want to do um but i, I think and i'm gonna ask you this I myself also believe that what I am doing is the correct thing, the right thing. I am on the right path, whatever that even means. I think, again, vision for me is moving in the right direction, knowing that a lot of things are not going to go my way. Certain things will. I learned that especially when I was playing soccer. I pursued this thing for a long time, and about five to six years of it were absolutely hell. I stayed in my car for a while. I was sleeping on floors um, at places that I didn't know the people there. I mean, it was just it was rough. But I believe that it, it was the right thing. There was no lying to myself. And I think it's very easy to start lying to ourselves, especially when things go bad. Of why should I keep going? You know. So um, obviously, I found that for myself at a young age. It seems like you did as well. Why is that so difficult to, to buy into that you're on the right track, even when everything's not going right? Well, it can be tough. Some of it's self-image. Some people, their self-image is still developing, especially as a young person. Uh, the other piece, and this is tough for a lot of people to accept, but you need to go through suffering. I tell people, I hope you suffer. I hope you do. Because through that suffering is where you're going to find the wisdom of what you're made of and what you can do. And so those difficult times teach us something. And they teach us something about ourselves. And so rather than to 
pull back from the failures and the obstacles and the difficulties. We should be stepping into it. What am I learning through this? And, and again, that comes back to responsibility, you know, not being a victim. You know, I don't, I don't accept that. I am not a victim in anything I do. If I make mistakes, well, those are my mistakes. I own them. I need to learn from them and do better. And so, again, it's a mindset. It's taking responsibility for one's life and their finances as they really just try to create their version of a better life. Right. And it starts in the mind. I, I really started with that initial thought that, yeah, I could do this. Was I 100% sure I could? No, I wasn't. But I had some belief, and through action, it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And, and the key word right there for me is it's action. It's, it's doing something, something, some, 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 some small step or a bigger one, doesn't matter what it is, but it has to take some sort of action so you can get some sort of result. I think if we sit home and wonder and hope that it, well, if I did this, maybe my life would turn out this way. And it's just, I think, rare that it, that it will. And I think, like, again, I have that mindset, but I think that's also because I also pursued my dream when I was relatively young, and, and it, it did not go well. It didn't come true. But like you said, I, I learned things about myself, and that's something that can never be unlearned. You know, That's something that I get to take with me going forward in whatever it is that I decide to do next or whatever I'm doing now, and, and, and for yourself as well. You're also still learning, like, like you mentioned. That never stops, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. That's absolutely, that's absolutely correct. I think one big thing I learned for myself um, in all this, especially that, that victim thing, when I was playing soccer and I was at some of my worst moments when things weren't going well, you know, I'd have those nights where I'd cry myself to sleep wondering why nothing's working out. I'm training hard. I'm a good person. But nothing is going right. It didn't make any sense to me. Now, in hindsight, maybe I just wasn't good enough. Maybe that's what it was. But when I was going through it, I didn't know that then. But what I realized is that, you know, no, no amount of me feeling sorry for myself or, or, or complaining or blaming people or the world is going to change anything because I realized that the, the world doesn't owe me anything at all and neither do other people. And I think we sometimes fall into that mindset, especially relatively young, that, that, that I am owed something if I just work hard, if I'm just a good person. I deserve to be happy. And I, I don't believe that's the case. I think happiness is something that you earn with anything else. What, what, what do you think? So I'm with you. What I would tell the younger person just starting out on their journey is mm -hmm. don't expect immediate results. You know, it's so easy to think, okay, I did, I did these good things. I should, no, no. Sometimes you do good things and bad things happen to you. Mm -hmm. And then you do more good things and bad things happen to you. What we need to focus on is keep doing what's right as we know it and as things happen, good and bad, you keep going down that path. It, it will pay you back over time, but patience is required for this journey that we're talking about. You're not going to reach some place of enlightenment because you did something good this week. That's not how it works. As a matter of fact, to get closer to that place of enlightenment, you're going to have to go through so much suffering. You're going to have to enter the abyss and you're going to come out of it stronger and believing more in yourself because you're, you're striving to do it. You're, you're, you're in a state in the fight. You're not backing off. 
and you're not blaming others. You're looking at you and what you can do to change the course of your life. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more with, right there. Um, but we do have to go back to something real quick that I haven't hit on yet. And it's, 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 it's the pink wig. Okay. So, uh, Obviously, I, I understand what it means. Um, we'll go, in, go into detail one more time what that means for you. And then um, I think maybe you mentioned it or maybe I didn't hear it. How did the, the pink wig um, – wh why the pink wig? Yeah. So I have been doing this message for 20 years. So I'm, I'm taking you back where I'm age 45. That's, yeah. that's when I retired. And I was staying a few months with my niece and her children as I was adjusting to this new phase of my life. And so her, she had a daughter who was three years old. I put her little pink wig on my head to make her laugh. It worked. Her mother, my niece, took a picture of me, and I decided to put that on my Facebook page. And as kind of a fun way of identifying who I was. And people started to call me that crazy guy in the pink wig. Mm. And I... I had some moment where I realized that that was the visual that I was missing on my message. Mm -hmm. So I've had this message for that, that really was created over the last 20 years, but I did not have a, a, a visual that someone could see and say, oh, yeah. And so the, the crazy man in the pink wig is really about being yourself. And again, if you appear to be different, weird, strange, crazy, that's okay. That might mean you're on the right path, which is your path. Mm -hmm. So I, I wear that pink wig either physically in presentations. Sometimes I wear it on my shirts. Sometimes I wear it on my body. I actually have a tattoo with the pink wig because it's a transformation, if you will. I try to show people that you can transform from one life to another if you truly believe in yourself, as I believe in you. And so I became the crazy man in the pink wig. And again, it's a way to help people see that they could do something similar. Absolutely. And I think that just goes to show that not everything has to be perfect and figured out right from the get-go. That's another thing I think that slows us down. The, the pink wig, obviously, it's a signature thing for you. But that didn't come till till later, and things can change. New chapters can start as 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 you go on this journey. And I'm so happy that we're having this conversation right now because that happened to me very recently. Like when I started this podcast, um, I, I had an initial idea for it. I just wanted to get something out there, get my voice out there, talk about the stuff I want to talk about. Um, but I had no idea what what it was going to turn into, or who my audience would be, or where it was going. And that started to become a little bit more clear to me just recently. I started earlier this year, and I realized that. It, it was a little bit too broad as far as like how I was marketing it. Cause I, I mean, I had no idea what the heck marketing was either, you know? And so just recently I, I did, um, rebrand it a little bit, you know, and I didn't know if I was going to do that at the beginning, but it, it just goes to show that things are going to change over time. As, as long as you just kind of stick to it and then keep on going, new pages will turn, new chapters can start. It's not, it doesn't have to be perfect from the very beginning. Um, it certainly wasn't for me. It's not going to be now, and it's not always. It's never going. It's never going to be. But as long as, like we said a minute ago, moving in that right direction, that's that's you know how how could you go wrong? And that's why it's so important to take action. You yeah. learn and you do. You learn and you do. And through the doing, we 
to continue to edit throughout the process, yes. which we call life. Absolutely. I, lo I love that editing. I mean, that's, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that before, but that, that's exactly what this is. You know, that's exactly what this is. Um, before we wrap up, we still have a little bit of time left. Uh, there can always be a, a stigma around it. I wanted to know two things. One, do you get that a lot from people that you talk to? Um, do they see you as like a, a BS artist sometimes? And if so, what's your response to that? The financial services industry is built for the financial services industry. They market to individuals that they're going to help them, but they're not the number one person they're going to help. The number one person they're going to help is the industry. So I want people to understand that. So then the question is, how can you make the best use of the investments and all that's contained within the industry so you end up keeping most of the return from your investments? And so whether somebody becomes their own financial advisor, which is what I teach, and many people do, but some people need a little bit of help, they can, one, I will sit down with them, or two, they can elicit the, the advice and the services of a fee-only financial advisor. So fee-only, they charge them a specific fee by the hour, project, whatever, but they do not sell products. You take that conflict of interest out because the products are very lucrative for the industry. While fee-based advisors should be avoided because they sell products to you and they make money from other people, which is why you want to avoid them because they're serving other people instead of you. And most of the industry is fee-based advisors. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's key to educate yourself to make sure you know how the industry works, how it makes money, and how you can make money despite of all those many people doing their thing. Absolutely. And by the way, by the way, I, there's no vendetta toward your local life insurance agent or financial advisor. Most many of those people are trying to make a living. They're trying to do the best they can. And I get that. But my focus is what is best for the individual. And so most of what the industry serves is best for the industry. How can we serve the individual so it's best for them? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I appreciate, appreciate you sharing that. I think that's like a, a very good piece of advice. I think especially everybody around my age, old, I think any age really, but to get educated again on, on – what services are out there, where they come from, what the industry looks like. I think, again, I'll be honest, I'm not super um, caught up on exactly how it all works, but this kind of stuff helps. And from re reading your website, um, you break it down in a simple way that allows me to make more sense of it for myself. Um, so, and I think it's going to help a lot of people as well. So if, if you could go ahead and just and tell us, where people can, can find all your information, your stuff, how can they get a hold of you um, if they have questions or just to learn more about, about it? So one, you can go to thecrazymanandthepinkwig.com. Pretty hard to forget that. <laughs> thecrazymanandthepinkwig.com. So there's plenty of information there. You'll see a list of my books on there. I've written four books. Financial Happiness is this big book of money and life and how you pull money together to make a better life. Uh, what Colors the Sky is a book on investing, how to become that wise and efficient investor. Graduation is a book on retirement, how to graduate 
to the next better phase of your life. And then Now What was the fourth book I wrote, and that's for that high school, college graduate heading out into the world, trying to make sense of money as they start to live life, right? So those books are there. Also on that webpage is an online uh, financial happiness academy. So I, give, I have an online academy on teaching people about money management, teaching people about investing, teaching people about retirement. And of course, you have the books and you have information on the menu on that website that they can learn anytime they want. So one of my goals has been to provide as much opportunity and possibilities for someone to learn and educate themselves about money. Whether you learn best through a book or audio or visual, whatever it takes, here are the opportunities. Now I'm putting it in your lap because at the end of the day, I'm nobody's savior. I help you save yourself. That's the key. And it's the person who takes responsibility for their life. That's the person who changes their life. And if they want to reach me individually, you can send it to Mike Finley at thecrazymanandthepinkwig.com. And that email is on my website as well. Perfect. And final question I'm going to ask you. In the middle of this pandemic right now, um, I feel like maybe finances are a little bit different than they probably have been in a while. What, what's a, a piece of advice you could give now, not just to, 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 to the young ones out there, but everybody um, in a time like this right now? What can they do today? So you can see this as a bad thing. I see this as opportunity. So when things happen in life that all of a sudden change the way things happen, rather than sit back and go, woe is me, and all of a sudden, the life that I have planned is not going the way. Well, guess what? This is an opportunity for you to learn and grow through something different. So that would be my main advice is every time in life when something comes at you and it's not what you expected and you failed or you suffered in some way, don't sit there and have a pity party. Don't look at yourself as a victim. Look at yourself as somebody who has presented an obstacle and an opportunity to do something better. So I see this as an opportunity. I recommend others do as well. Start looking at your life and what you can do to make it better. Absolutely. And, and, and last thing, Mike, I want to thank, thank you for two things. The first is sharing all the, the financial advice. I think that in itself is super, super valuable. Uh, but the other thing that's really valuable to myself is you sharing the human side of you, sharing where you came from, how this started. Because like, like we said during the talk that, you know, success doesn't just happen. There's, there's, there's a process to this. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that and sharing what, what, you, what you went through and how you got to where you are now. That might be even more valuable sometimes in the financial stuff because um, I think it gives other permission, people permission to be themselves. And I, and I think it doesn't get more valuable than that. I agree with you. And I would remind you of where it starts. Somebody has to believe in you. Mm -hmm. There you have it. Mike Finley, thank you so much. The man in the pink wig. Can't wait to get this one out there. I hope that maybe we can do another one at some point in the future. Uh, but without further ado, you have a good rest of your day. I appreciate your time very much. Thank you, Steve. All right. Thank you.